Alright, hello everyone, and welcome back to a special episode of Left Inside. I'm your host, Dermot Flood. It's Friday 19th of June, and today we're going to be discussing the programme for government, and the options open in rejecting the deal. In order to give me a hand with this, I'm joined by Left Inside's top policy correspondents, Dave Murphy. Hello. And first-time panellist and Rise Doll researcher, Diana O'Dwyer. Hiya. So, the programme for government, uh, which has been dubbed the very soppy title, Air Shared Future, came out last Monday and outlines the policies proposed for the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Green Party government. When it first dropped, there was a, a concerted effort by all parties involved and the media to paint it as thoroughly environmental, thoroughly progressive, but as you kind of dive into it and get past the fluff, it becomes apparent that this is uh, far from the truth. A massive deal was obviously made because the Greens are involved, that they got big wins and big environmental action. What do you make of the environmental measures promised in the document? Okay, well, I think there are some things which the Greens can definitely point to as wins in terms of um, a bill within the first days, first 100 days of the government being formed. Um, There's other measures like the LNG terminal. And there's some other measures around like cycling um, and uh, public transport investment. But I think the big thing and the big thing that's been played up in the media um, and by the Greens leadership to sell it to their membership is around the commitment to a, uh, an average 7% per annum uh, reduction in greenhouse gases. And I think that's what's being pointed to by them as the key selling point to try and sell it to our members while the, the current vote is ongoing within that party. Yeah, and I think there's even a lot of issues with that. It's going to come out uh, through the week. It looks like it's going to be delayed action that won't be taking place until 2026 and that'll make it even harder to hit the targets. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it sounds like really good in a way, like 7%, you know, on average um, by 2030 every year, you know. But um, then the detail of it, like, both Coveney and Varadkarft are coming out now and saying that um, most of the heavy lifting will be done in the second half of the decade. So, I mean, that just means it's going to be, if it happens at all, it won't be while the Greens are in government, you know. Um, and there's actually no target set for the next five years at all. Like, um, So, I mean, like, I think if the Greens have much cop on, they should be able to see what that's about, you know. It kind of reminds me of in, I think, 2015 when the Paris Climate Change Agreement was signed and Enda Kenny was over there in Paris signing up to it. And then he said, well, you know, it's not really a priority for us. The economy will come first. And I think there's shades of that within this, that like nothing's going to happen. They'll start putting a pathway in place between now and 2025. And then most of it will be done after 2020, uh, after 2026. So it shows like that it's one of these like things written on a piece of paper that they probably can't like guarantee is going to actually happen. And I think there's some other stuff like the LNG gas terminal, which is supposed to have been rejected now. And there was a a local newspaper, I think, in Mead or Limerick, saying with Michael McGrath from Fianna Fáil, I think it was, saying it's it's definitely going to go ahead. Don't mind what's in the the programme for government. So I think the Greens will need to stand up on a lot of these issues if they're going to see anything be implemented. The arguments for going back into government being made by the pro-coalition side has been like, oh, we've so little time to act and things like that. And that's true. But a lot of this, the, the ambiguity in the document means that most of this won't take place in 2026. And there's going to be a lot of battles taking place through the government. Like you see it with the amount of committees and commissions that are going to be brought in. There is no like solid grasp of, of what's actually promised. 
so it's tough to to make like an assessment of how things are going to pan out well i mean it's just the devil is kind of in the detail of the thing as well like they have the same problem with the retrofitting like they say that they're going to retrofit fifty thousand houses which is like ooh, that sounds like a lot but again it's by 2030 and there's no target for the first five years you know so it's just like the, it seems like they're really being sold a pup um on that basically you know um and it's not really incremental change if you're not even getting incremental change you know you might be getting no change at all like um and it's a real contradiction if like on the one hand they're saying that like we have to act now you know that's why we have to go in and make all these compromises but actually nothing's going to happen for five years and then they'll probably be absolutely annihilated in the next election you know um so i just wonder like um like you can really tell just from the language of the whole document if you look at it like anything almost anything you read in it that sounds good is actually couched in terms of we will consider we will review we will assess we will set up a commission you know and anything bad is like we will do this which is probably like the bits you know Fine Gael wrote <laughs> I just think it's very telling that like Nessa Harrigan the Greens finance spokesperson that it was her who's really come out in massive opposition to this because she knows the money's not there for the promises you know and it's like every time they do the budget every year the person who's really run the show is the minister for finance because they all the other ministers come along looking for money to do stuff and if he doesn't give them money then that's just it it doesn't happen and like she actually said in her speech at the green party special conference like that she kept asking the whole time like um can you commit money to that how much is this going to cost what's the timelines and they just refused to put any costings in the whole thing and that's quite bizarre isn't it because like in previous years when we do at budget time we produce our own alternative budget like and they'd say is it costed yeah and w- we'd say yes and then the, if i think a couple of years we had some proposals that weren't costed and like they were laughing us out of the room like you know and now you have this like program for government for five years with not one costing in it i think it's it's bizarre like and i think like the reaction to it in the media i think the first day after it was agreed it was like this document has the greens fingerprints all over it and they're pointing out all the good things and then like as time's gone on like people are realizing it's not costed where are they going to get the money from and like it's funny that like the where will you get the money from question is now being torn back on the right-wing parties um rather than you know like usually being aimed at the left but i think like economically there is a few things in it so like although there's nothing costed there are a few things in it which they've definitely economic issues that they've put down like a, a line on so if you take like they're going to maintain ireland as a tax haven that's in there yeah that's staying um yeah. they're looking at like they're the way they plan to revive the economy is to make it even more light touch regulation less rights for people and be a more pro-business like so like they have got their economics from their point of view like in terms of neoliberalism correct and into the document yeah and you can see that in the, the regressive taxes on the public like there's the carbon tax which is obviously much discussed there's plastic tax and sugar tax as well but I think this ties into the veiled austerity in it. Yeah, that's one of the few kind of we wills in there is like, we will focus any tax rises on what they say is taxes, which tax negative behaviours, behaviours with negative yeah. externalities, you know, this kind of moralising thing, um, such as like carbon tax and sugar tax and plastic tax. Um, so like straight away, like that's basically just a commitment to regressive taxation that's going to hit people um, on lower incomes, you know. And then it also says that they're going to try and bring back water charges by trying to um, bring in for excessive use, which is another regressive tax, obviously. 
and I, I think, well, just in terms of the carbon tax and this idea about the water charges, they're being painted in light of like this, like green. We need to do this for the environment, you know. And I think that, um, like for like wide layers of working class people, this idea of um, like the greens in government means like taxation, taxation, taxation. And I think like working class people do want to, you know, what I mean, like they try and paint it as like these people who don't care about the environment. But I think, like, for like ordinary people, like people do want to see, like people don't want to see climate change uh, and the negative impact, and like the idea that, like, car uh, carbon tax is gonna be the eco austerity measure, like to put people into extra poverty to try and save the environment. It's like ideologically the wrong way to go about it, and I think that's a point, like in terms of well, what's the alternative to save the environment but also protect people's living standards that needs to be like challenged in terms of like green neoliberalism yeah and i think people have pointed out that even with the excessive taxation measures there's no tax on airline emissions um things like data centers have been completely unmentioned in the document and then you mentioned earlier dana um about nessa hurgan making criticisms a lot was made of the housing measures in the document yeah i mean i just read it one thing that really struck me was like um they don't even pretend that they're going to try and end homelessness like any other government that's got in, they'll have some target, like some misleading target. They'll say like, we're going to end long-term homelessness or like some category of homelessness and they never achieve it, you know? Um, but in this, they don't even do that. Like they don't even say they'll reduce homelessness. They said they'll focus their efforts on reducing it. Like, you know, like it's just, they're promising nothing. And, you know, it's obviously not going to be a priority at all for this government. Like it's basically just a, a straight up continuation of Fine Gael's housing policy, which is, you know, basically a complete reliance on the private market, which means you only get expensive housing, you get big profits for developers and there's no affordable housing for people when they need it. And then you just have this big increase in homelessness and, and more people being made homeless. The promises that they're making, they're saying they're going to in increase the social housing stock by 50,000. But then if you look into the detail of it, it's like, to 25,000 houses over five years or whatever which is just it's way it's way too little for the scale of the problem and it's actually less than any of the three parties promised in their election manifestos like you know so they've obviously just decided to kind of throw housing and homelessness under a bus you know um that this is just one area where they just haven't even really tried to do anything at all um and then there's some other like really bad stuff in there as well that hasn't really come out much like there's actually a, a promise in it to quote standardize the differential rents regime across the country to ensure fairness and what that means basically is increasing um rents for social housing like because if they're going to standardize them they're going to standardize them to the most expensive rent they're not going to be standardizing them down and that's something they've been threatening to do for ages but it's obviously that's going to be part of the austerity measures is they're going to be making people pay more rents in social housing which you know i think there should be resistance to and then just for tenants there's really very little there like nessa harrigan again said that she was trying to get a ban on um eviction if the landlord is selling the house and the fina gale fina fall just totally refused to do anything about that and same thing they refused to agree to a rent freeze either um so it's just more the same basically same Fine Gael housing policy that we've had for the last nine years. And Diana, what's likely to happen if the economy goes into free fall and you have like still the same housing crisis? What's likely to happen? Will like is it likely rents will come down or because of the lack of supply 
and the state being willing to like sort of prop up landlords with you know hap is it likely to maintain the prices more people become homeless and the state just gives more handouts to people or will there be an effect on on the rents see it's different to the last time that there was a big crash in housing crisis because last time you had this massive housing bubble so you had like tens of thousands of empty houses um you had all these ghost estates you'd wait like a big overhang of oversupply of housing but this time they haven't been building enough housing and nowhere near enough affordable housing or social housing like for the last um 10 years so even though there's going to be a big crash and people are going to have way less money to pay in rent like the houses just aren't going to be there so there isn't going to be as big a drop in rents as you would think um otherwise like if there was an adequate supply of housing so i think there's going to be a real squeeze for people because there just aren't enough rental properties out there and the ones that are there they're all being built by these big um international funds like these cuckoo funds um and there's just a, a policy really to entice them in but they're actually just driving up rents um and taking control of, of big sections of the housing market so i just think things are going to stay extremely bad for renters for the next five years under this government like it's a bit mad when you think about it like that like in the space from february to what we in june like you had this like election for change like you know undefined but like a rejection of this type of policy on housing health uh, and sort of like the growth and inequality in the economy and like all of a sudden you know um Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil are trying to cancel that election and effectively go no no we have to go back in right-wing government more austerity and just from what Diana's saying there it just seems like it's just going to make the problem 10 times worse and it potentially like potentially is to a more explosive situation that the government will face and like more anger like and I think like this government aren't going to have a honeymoon period in reality because I think by July they're proposing to have some type of economic package announced um which is going to um it's going to like in, involve like economic measures that will like they're going to try and prop up the economy for a while with some loans uh, prop up big business but then after that they've promised that they're going to implement austerity which will be ordinary people paying for it again a lot of the arguments that are coming out in that we have to go in because they're looking at the polls and seeing where Fianna Gael are currently and thinking that if we don't go in, Fianna Gael will walk into government stronger than they've ever been. But if these are the measures that they're aiming to implement, there's going to be pushback from the public anyway. And you want to be on the right side of that pushback if you're in the Green Party. Like There is a real opportunity to build an opposition to these these policies that Fianna Gael seem intent on bringing in. But on the opinion polls... For the last, I think, three elections, Fine Gael have gone into every election on the back of strong opinion polls. Yeah. Thinking like, yeah, we're going to walk it, like, you know. And they're just, they're just, it's like they're bad at elections. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? They just copy the most right People kind of on at that stage. Yeah, but true. um, another thing that we haven't touched on is the Occupied Territories Bill that seemingly has just been completely dropped. What do people make of that? Yeah, I'd say it's probably connected to the whole vote for Ireland getting the seat on the UN Security Council that, like, Fine Gael were like, we cannot be seen to be doing something that goes against like US foreign policy while we're in the middle of this whole election process, you know, um, and just to be seen as like an unreliable kind of state that would go on the UN Security Council. You know, I mean, it's just it's kind of a real disgusting hypocrisy because on, on the other hand, they're posing all the time as like, oh, Ireland's really great for supporting the Palestinians. And then they're having this whole row behind closed doors like about the programme for government in which Simon Coveney is just making up all these various excuses for why it's impossible 
to ban imports from the occupied territories like um it's disgraceful because this was a bill that was um supported by the left in the doll and passed through the doll um in its last term and, and blocked by the whole money message um thing that they used to block opposition bills last time around you know so yeah it's just it just really is very revealing of the actual truth of irish foreign policy like they pretend to be really progressive and like oh we're all into the un and peacekeeping but when it comes down to it they'll always just play to the tune of like u.s foreign policy at the end of the day yeah and then just on on health care we, we've seen it like a, a whole host of reforms against launch care uh pushed off yeah but i think like it's in line with like this was going to be an austerity government and it's in line with that approach of like you know like right-wing economic politi- uh, policies that like one of the things that they another one of the commitments that they make in it is in relation to health where they promise that they'll have like a vibrant uh, private health sector so that people have choice when like you know like for a lot of people in terms of how uh, unequal Irish society is they don't have that choice of actually going for um private health care um so like they do have that in it um and i think it's significant as well that like during the crisis of COVID 19 we got like the health system got exposed in terms of like how actually fragile it is and how weak it is when you had them you know like uh, uh, they i think they took on a couple of thousand extra nurses they had to go and take over all the private beds so like the public health system is creaking like and what this is promising to do despite all the praise for doctors and nurses and the health system what this is promising to do is just like leave a creek in there like they haven't even committed to slanche care they've pushed that back further um so i think they're just pushing off like a further crisis in the health sector like i think people have got used to be there being a crisis every year in health or a constant state of crisis and i think like they've shown well look if we took over private hospitals if we actually invested in it we could have this fully functioning healthcare system but i plan to step backwards away from that yeah like what struck me is it's amazing like after the whole coronavirus pandemic they don't even promise to double intensive care icu beds like that's the one big thing that they've been talking about the whole time is having enough ventilators enough icu and like no they're just they're going to do the same thing again of like trying to get extra space in the private hospitals like they had this sweetheart deal going with the private hospitals that they didn't use but i mean when the virus comes back and like it is a question of when like not if there is going to be second third fourth waves of this thing we're going to be in the same situation nearly with like one of the lowest numbers of icu beds like in europe um and like all of the the icu specialists have been saying this for months and it's unbelievable that even after this epidemic they're still not funding public health care properly you know um and it just shows like they're they're planning to head into austerity as well that they're not even planning to invest any significant amount of money in the health system during a pandemic and i think as well like you know they've had everyone out clapping for health workers and they've been praised but if you look at the section about public sector pay like there is no like they talk about well depend on how the economics of the state are doing whether we renegotiate pay with people who work for the state and like how the economics are going is saying like you're not going to get a pay rise or there's not going to be any pay increase um so i think it's like you know we'll pay you with claps or or badges like you know they'll give health workers badges or something. <laughs> um but but <laughs> i think like so like there's health workers won't get pay increase for all the work they did there's other public sector workers who are still on less than they were 10 years ago when the first uh cuts were brought back in 
and like instead of actually trying to reach that level again and say right we'll leave you on what you were on in 2008 and it's 2020 they're actually not going to go back to that level and they they'll either uh leave it where it is and then implement more major reforms have people working more hours uh for the same money i would say is the most likely thing that's going to happen and i think the trade union should be preparing for that to have you know like a, a political strategy but an industrial strategy as well yeah before we move off this then the last thing i wanted to hit on was um what did people make of the transport policies yeah like it kind of sounds good like the main thing they have is like it's going to be a two-to-one split between public transport and roads but actually they've also said like oh any contracts that we've already agreed for building future roads they all have to go ahead because you can't break contracts you know you can't interfere in the market like that um and also that they have to maintain all the existing roads and there's no promise to increase the overall budget so you're just getting a slice of a relatively small budget like really you know they needed to increase the size of the overall budget really um if you were going to build any significant new public transport and like there's actually no um specific public transport projects promised in the document like none that's that's one of the the things about it like they're trying to uh you know force people out of cars or like we obviously want people to get out of cars like if you compare what's in this say with the green new deal that we're proposing uh, in terms of investment in public transport so that like you give people an alternative to using their car and like investment in public transport if we have to maintain social distancing for a whole period of time like i had to get a bus yesterday and i think the bus could had a capacity of seven like a normal double decker bus that on normal times i get into work that'd be absolutely jammers uh they were saying like it can take 17 people uh seated um so like if i was back in work and having to go into work now like you'd probably be waiting at a bus stop from like seven in the morning till about 10 o'clock like, you know, <laughs> waiting for an empty bus to come along so like y- you need to invest in public transport and like even from an environmental perspective um that you'd 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 get rid of public transport uh you get rid of uh offer free free fares on buses to encourage people onto public transport and, and out of cars um like that'd be the best alternative in terms of like then to investing in roads or or, or whatnot and i think like even on that like they mention a green new deal in the just transition yeah it's gruesome it's unbelievable. that's actually one thing i've been wondering about the public transfer and stuff like i mean they're kind of saying we're not going to really invest much in public transport really so therefore like is this not going to lead to a big increase in people to having to drive because like okay they're putting a lot of money into walking and cycling infrastructure which is good like mm-hmm. um but yeah. you know an awful lot of people can't walk to work like because they live too far away like or so they're going to have to drive and they're going to get hit with tar- carbon tax and there's going to be no new public transport and like i actually think we could end up with like even more traffic congestion because people are going to be too afraid to get on public transport like you know with the coronavirus and then you know it's going to be so um hard to get on the bus like Dave was saying that like people are just going to get back in their cars i just don't see how how it works out like it's another one of the mysteries of yeah. the uh, of the document <laughs> time will tell um but i think yeah we can move off the the issues now and, um the green party yesterday on uh thursday 18th had the extensive video conference where the pro and anti-coalition sides were debating their points 
And at the moment, those on the pro-coalition side have argued extensively that if the Green Party doesn't enter the coalition, they'll be unable to influence environmental policy mm-hmm. and that they should take what they can get. Um, we had Rise TD Paul Murphy uh, wrote an article in the journal during the week and was on prime time last night arguing, uh, as we would, that this isn't the case and that there is alternatives open. What do you both make of the arguments being made? And what do you see as the alternatives open to left-wing Greens who are obviously pushing against this deal at the moment? Well, I think one of the arguments that are being made is that if they don't go into government and another election is forced, that they'll be punished. Like, I think that's a line in the media, that's a line that you're hearing everywhere, that they have to go in, otherwise they'll... You know, this phrase is used about senior hurling, like, you know, and people won't think they're serious and they'll lose their vote. Um, But I think, like, there's actually... Like, the opposite is the case in Irish political history... It's by going into government, a uh, smaller party going in and propping up Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael has always got wiped out. And now you're going to go in and you're going to have them propping not just one of the right-wing parties up, but actually both of the right-wing parties. And I think if they do go in, that like they w- they'll end up implementing austerity. There'll be a mudguard for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, the way the Labour Party was previously, the way they themselves were previously, um, and, and they'll get wiped out. Um, and I don't think they'll, they won't have the excuse they had in 2007 when they went in. When they went mm. in, then there was an economic crash in 2008 and they could say, oh, sure, we didn't know that was going to happen. They're going in with their eyes wide open this time that they'll have to implement uh, austerity. And if they do that, they will get wiped out. Whereas if they don't and they look to their left, the reason people voted for them hasn't disappeared. Like climate change is the reason people voted for them. Uh, and you're only going to see a growth and a re-emergence of you know, like the school student strikes, the Extinction Rebellion, the movements on the street. So they should look away from like propping up the establishment to look to the left and to the to the movements in society to force change on the agenda. Yeah, I mean, the really worrying thing about this is if they go in that like, you know, it just kind of gives environmentalism a bad name because people are like, oh, the Greens are government and I'm getting hammered with carbon taxes. Um, everything's being cut, you know, um, all all the public services are being cut and then you know they see that money is going into things like you know cycling and walking infrastructure um but a lot of the services like housing and health that people really rely on are being cut and their living standards are getting much worse and like that's just a really dangerous place for green politics to be right now because like at the moment like or what got them in was the whole green wave with mass movements of people coming out on the streets like with extinction rebellion and the school climate strikes um and like we really need to build on that we need to get everybody really in support of really strong transformative climate action you know because the it's so urgent now like we literally have a decade really and the greens go in for five years and implement all this austerity like that totally cuts across there being a mass popular climate movement because people are just going to be totally turned off like um and then you know they're going to be the ones who are going to lose out from it basically yeah and i think that's the big danger that like you get this like eco austerity carbon taxes that for like you know like the vast majority of people like fighting climate change means them being worse off um and i think like that's a major danger and i think like within the green party there's obviously like two wings there's like this sort of you know, the more right-wing uh, side, probably around Eamon Ryan, that support things like uh, carbon taxes as a, you know, like this neoliberal idea that you tax people more, uh, they uh, l- they use it less, which is actually, you know, like very aggressive because it tax everyone. 
um the same and then like there's a left wing that's talking about like a green new deal um about like you know like going after the big polluters like the big like we've seen over the last while when people have like fundamentally changed how they lived during the coronavirus in terms of nobody traveling anywhere staying at home the whole time and like emissions haven't dropped by as much as you yeah. would imagine they would and it shows that it's like production and the big corporations who are the people who actually cause most of the emissions and pollution and that they're the people that actually need to be uh, gone after like wild people should act environmentally in their day-to-day life um you know like individual actions versus taking on the big polluters um there's an imbalance and it's going after the big polluters that should be that should be done and surely after negotiating this deal it shows the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are there to represent the companies that big polluters and that the right thing would be to take the momentum that came from the February election and kind of break that rule and point towards like alternatives that have an actual effect in carbon emissions and makes people's lives better and why that's being ignored in favour of like opting for things that are worsening people's living standards is is baffling. Yeah and I think for many in the Green Party they'll be looking at going into government as like the only way you can get things done like you know so they'll be like one of the arguments is this is our chance to go in I think Eamon Ryan said in that meeting yesterday that this was like a major one-off opportunity uh, for the Green Party. Um, but I think like if you look at in Irish society over the last 10 years, like how change has really come about, it's not by like going into government, it's by actually looking to our left and looking to like socialist organisations, but also movements on the street um, that actually force real change onto the, the agenda, no matter what the government is. If you look at, say, uh, repeal, it was movement on the street that forced it onto the agenda. If you look at um, marriage equality and if you look at, say, the water charges, which was like a major policy for the Fine Gael Labour government, look how long they held onto it for in the face of such opposition. Like, And then they were forced to uh, to, to cave in. And that's what the Greens should be looking for. And it, it's by doing that, you can actually get meaningful uh, environmental change forced onto the agenda. Yeah, I mean... Like, if, if you look at how big the changes have been um, in Irish politics, like, since 2008, like, the two main parties used to be getting 70-80% of the vote, and now they're down to less than half of it. And that's why they need the Greens in to prop up the two of them. But it just shows that, like, it isn't like they're going to be missing some historic opportunity that'll be the best opportunity they'll ever have, like, um, if they don't go in this time. Like, everything is in huge flux. Like, we're in a period now where, like, you know as much change as normally happens in decades like can happen in a matter of weeks you know we've seen that with the whole coronavirus pandemic and just how unstable capitalism is getting with these um more regular economic crises and with the the climate crisis as well like it isn't a normal kind of politics where people can go go into coalition and get their tiny little incremental changes like it's literally you've got 10 years or like we're all screwed like so i mean I think they really need to kind of step back and just, you know, think about the actual scale of the changes that are needed if they're actually going to achieve the objectives of not having climate change. Like you need a massive, complete break, a total rupture with the whole political system um, and, you know, with the neoliberalism that's really underpinning everything and in the programme for government as well. And I think that's why they won't go with free public transport, because neoliberalism would say like you have to everything has to have like a market price an economic price and individuals have to pay for it you know there's no concept of the public good 
So, Diana, you mentioned there about pushing for a Green New Deal, unlike the one in the programme for government currently. What would that entail? Yeah, I mean, RISE over the last while, we've been developing this idea of like a Green New Deal with socialist policies, like which would bring in a genuine um, transformation of the economy. Um, so we're talking about measures that will benefit um, working people. Um, rather than impoverishing them, rather than having eco austerity and putting the cost of climate action on people, but ways that you know improve people's living standards, improve their quality of life, but also reduce carbon emissions. So stuff like um, a four day week with no loss of pay, um, stuff like um, a massive green jobs program in low carbon jobs. So we're talking about a massive in investment in jobs in renewable energy with a just transition for workers who are employed, say, in the fossil fuel industry, like in Bordenamona, um, but also a big increase in like care jobs um, in the public service, in, in health, in childcare, in education. Like these are all areas that we're just crying out for more work, for more jobs and more workers. Um, and they also are very low carbon um, in, ter- in terms of, of that as well. Um, and then also things like free public transport so that we can have a total kind of culture change um, just on a, a really big level rather than trying to just focus on kind of individual actions and kind of tinkering with things here and there. Um, and then one of the, the main um, underlying things of it as well is that if we're going to be restructuring this whole economy um, and getting away from fossil fuels, like you need to actually plan out the economy and you can't do that like with a kind of a, a neoliberal capitalist system where you've got all these individual companies competing with each other to make profits in different areas it's just chaos um so what we're saying is you need to have public ownership of the big polluting companies so that you can really quickly um get them to do a transition um to net net um zero emissions you know which really have to happens by 2030 not by 2050 i think like in terms of that like vision of a, a a green new deal like the difference is is that it puts like uh workers ordinary people the va- the majority of people in society at the heart of it in t- terms of like protecting living standards and protecting the environment rather than what's currently on the agenda now which is like to hammer people's living standards to make these minimal you know like it's ha- it's hammering the people on the lowest rung of society uh to try and make like fairly like changes in uh, the environment which aren't going to be enough to stop the worst excesses of climate change and it's pointing in the like a, the green new deal points in the right direction of going after like the major corporations uh, the people who actually make all the decisions in the economy and cause the vast majority of the pollution and i think that's the type of environmental movement that can win like mass support from ordinary people who don't see it as something that's going to hammer them but will make their lives better um rather than the alternative that's on offer. Yeah, and I think by the time this episode comes out, we should have a, a better grasp of, of how things are going. Um, so I think we'll wrap it up there, and I have to thank Dave and Diana for joining me. Fair play. Thanks a million for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. Thank you. See you later.